Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Are you ready to take your business to the next level and create a six-figure MFR business? If so, then please mark your calendars for March 23rd, 24th, and 25th. These are the dates when you can enroll in the next MFR Coaches group coaching program, which is going to start in April. So mark your calendars and be ready. Only three days to enroll and you don't want to miss out. See you in the group. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am your host, Heather Hommel, the MFR Coach, and today I have one of my previous group members, Zachary Scott, here to talk about his experience. Zach is the owner of Integrative Myofascial Release located in Bloomington, Minnesota. Welcome to the podcast, Zach. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. So let's get into the juice. People want to know why did you come for coaching and like what spoke to you about joining the group? Uh, before I interviewed with you, I just realized that things were not progressing as I'd hoped after 25 years in practice. And I had read a post in MFR Insight that listed you as a coach. I'm like, oh, specifically for MFR. And I knew you because we had met at some seminars. Yeah. So I booked the consultation with you. And it was in that time that I spent with you, which was a short time, 30 minutes maybe, that really made me decide that, that I needed to do it uh, because you had pointed out some pretty key things that I wasn't doing correctly that could change easily or not so easily, but yeah. could definitely that definitely needed to be addressed. And I think you just honed in on some things that were relevant to where I was struggling. Yeah. I love how like you've been in business for 25 years and yet you were still open to being like, oh, like the length of the amount of time I've been doing this does not equal if I like know everything or not about business. Yeah, not at right? all. So I think I, a lot of people look at maybe joining or like they don't think coaching is for them because like I've been doing this X amount of years. Like I already know it all. Like if I could fix it, I would, I would have already or whatever. I don't know what goes through people's minds. I think I was guilty of thinking that when I've like looked at previous coaching before I knew what coaching was. I was like, what are they going to tell me what to do? I know everything. <laughs> is there a book for that or something? Yeah, is there a book for that? Yeah. So, okay. So you made the decision to come into the group. Like, where were you at business-wise? What were you struggling with when you first started? Uh, getting out of an old paradigm of undercharging mm-hmm. and marketing through discounts. Uh, I just realized the difficulty with that was that the mindset of the client that was coming in was geared toward getting a bargain for the work. And I didn't think that was the best place to be starting off with people. And then it was really hard to get out of it once you were in that rut. Yeah. 
the hardest thing was, okay, now I got to raise my rates. And these people are complaining that my rates were less than it was 15 years earlier. And there's, they're paying less than I charge them yeah. now. And how am I going to get them to pay what I really think I need to be paid? I needed to work through my thinking around that dilemma I put myself in. Yeah. So basically you had a thought, I need to offer discounts to create flow into my business, to create clients. And the result was that you created clients, but they discounted your services because you were discounting the services, right? Like there's like the discount and then there's the discounting of the results of working with you. Well, they valued the work to the extent in which they felt it helped them, but on a sort of the basis of a need rather than a basis of this is really going to get me past the struggles I've had in my past. Mm -hmm. They would only invest uh, on a maintenance schedule, which would be sporadic, which really to me wasn't the therapy I I was wanting to do with them. Yeah. You just didn't know that you have a lot of control over how your patients come to treatment and what you require of them to be a patient of yours. Like you just didn't know that. No. So now like, is that something that you learned? Yeah. I think the blinders came off maybe midway through. I can't remember exactly. I just remember having an epiphany and listening to some of the other group members talk about having the same struggle with raising their rates. Mm -hmm. And when they raised their rates, I'm like, wait a second, they did what? (laughs) Why? What? Because they talked about their fears. And I'm like, those are legitimate fears. That's my fear. Like everybody could just disappear one day because I'm charging too much. And so. Yeah. I like, I can't do anything because of my fear, right? Like the fear is just like the reality when it's just like a feeling. Running my business. I'm like, the fear is running the business. Yeah. Yeah. And not the business of the business. And so when I saw other people doing it, I just realized, well, what am I really worth? I don't even ask, what am I really worth? I don't know what I'm worth. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to be really careful with the language of personal worthiness related to our rate. So like, what is the worth of the results that you create for your clients, right? What is that worth? Priceless usually is the answer. So how do you figure that out? I don't think it was a simple process. Well, I did some of the brain dumping and I did the the thought work around why my prices were too low already. Mm-hmm. And my price was set and I was actually getting less than that price, even though it was set. And yeah, Here's my rock bottom price and then here's a discount for you. Right. Just in case you really don't want to pay one. So there's no way you can reject me or reject MFR, or like delegitimize this anymore, right? It was still happening. They would still discontinue working or they would stop after a short time. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can't make it any lower. Yeah. You know, and there's no reason to. So what happened when you changed, like you raised your rate to, what was it when we started? On paper, it was $100 an hour. What were you actually getting? More like 80. Okay. And then what did you end up changing it to? 175 for an hour. Yeah. Which is a lot. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's an increase. What was the difference in what people were coming to get? Like, and I guess like, what was the difference in like the client that was coming for the $80 treatment and the client that was willing to pay 175? I remember I had a series of about seven new clients that first week. I raised my rate, which I thought was. (laughs) Seven new clients in one week. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy good. Yeah. They didn't even ask me my rate until after I treated them. Uh They never asked me ahead of time. 
And how long had it been since you'd had new clients before that? Uh, I had a few that previous year. It was a bad year because of COVID, but I probably had six or eight new clients that year. Like the entire year. And then here you just... I think so. More than double your rate and you have seven in a week. Right. Yeah. And not, none of them were like, oh, that's too much. Wow. I didn't know it was going to be that high. None of them said that. They were all like, oh, okay, let's set up the second one and the third one and whatever. Um, the people that came in were looking for something more specific than a general, uh, I want to feel better after this thing. Yeah. They were laser focused on a result. Yes. I'm struggling with A, B, or C. And based on what was on your website or what I was told by somebody who's been to see you, this is something that you can help me with. Mm-hmm. They had a specific goal in mind. It wasn't just, I'll try that and see what happens. And if I like it, I might continue. And even if I do like it, I may not continue. There was none of that ambiguity around why they were there. They knew they were there. They knew it was going to be an investment of time for them. Do you think they knew why they were there? Because what really changed was you knew on a deeper level why they were there and why you were there? I don't think they knew that. No, I don't. But I mean, like you knew it. That's all that changed. Yeah, I think I got clear about what am I actually offering people rather than having a list of 12 dozen things that they could get if they come. Yeah. Uh, I deal with myofascial restrictions. Yeah. And that result is going to be these numerous things that are benefits that can't all be listed really because there's so many. Yeah. You got really Uh, clear on that. Yes. And then it became clear to all of these clients. And the result was you're able to charge 175 and create new clients. And do you remember like what your monthly average was before you did that? Per month? Mm-hmm. Like how much my grant? Um, I have the numbers here. If I look at it, like I said, it wasn't a great year uh, up until the end of the year, but best month versus worst month, I'd say between three and 4,000 a month. Okay. There's an average. And then what ended up happening in December? $10,903 was my December. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, right? And that was a joke. You said, well, if you're going to take a limit off of what you can make in December, mm-hmm. I was thinking I'd be lucky if I get 5000 this month. Yeah. And I said, set an impossible goal. I challenged the entire group. I was like, what's your impossible goal? And right. you told me like what you thought you would make, right? Which was like four or 5000 I was like, but what's your impossible goals? Yeah. Like, what happens if you have a goal? But I defiantly said, okay, 10,000, screw you. I'm going to. Yeah, you're like, you're going to be <laughs> horrified when I don't make it, Heather, right? Like- <laughs> right. I'm going to show you how I can't make 10,000, you know? Yeah. And then you made it without even knowing you had. No, I, I didn't even know I was that close until it literally went over the top, I think the last day or so of the month. Yeah. When somebody bought a package. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so outrageous that you can get that result so quickly. And the only thing that changed was really like your thought and and perception about yourself and your ability to help people. Like, I remember when we were first talking and you were saying like, it's so hard to explain this and to get people to buy in and to understand. And I was like, what if you just buy into it and you just decide everybody understands, (laughs) right? Like people will get it the moment you decide that people understand it enough to want what you have. It's it's a crazy process. I mean, it's it's ongoing because it's not like uh, self doubt or your self image 
evaporates because you've done some coaching. It, it definitely helps, but you still like still wonder sometimes like, am I doing anything? Is this really helping? Yeah. Really gonna, you know, charge that much. But you keep going mm-hmm. because not only have you built momentum and you've seen that it can work, but um, you have to challenge yourself against the gravity of the past. And that's difficult. And it's, I think it's ongoing, at least it is for me right now. Yeah. I think that's totally normal. I think what else happens is, is like, we want to make money. We want to help people. We figure out how to do it. We get the thing we wanted yet. We're still the same person that we were when we weren't making the money and we weren't having the clients that we wanted. Like we're still the same person. We think we're going to feel differently and we're going to feel like we've arrived or like all of our problems are going to melt away. And it's like, no, we're the same person. We just have some more money. And we also haven't worked yet on like our capacity to have that money and like all of the stuff that goes with that, like where it feels uncomfortable or like maybe we feel worse. I don't know if any of this is happening for you. Yeah. No, I don't feel worse. Okay. Good. I, I'm just aware of the fact that there's no end in success in terms of how it accumulates and how you take it on and how you change your responsiveness to things. Yeah. Like you don't have to chase success. Like you get to just decide that was a success or that was like, I get to feel proud or yeah. I, I, how did you feel like at the end of December when you met that crazy goal that you set? How much time did you spend like feeling proud of yourself or feeling accomplished or what was the feeling that you had? I think it was a mix of things. Initially, I was just kind of shocked. Like the group was like, oh my God, oh my God, you did it. And I'm like, I did? Like, I did. Yeah, you're like, what? I don't feel any yeah. different. I'm like, uh, close <laughs> enough would have been good for me, you know, but I'm like, I did. I mean, I reached the goal. I didn't feel like I worked to do it, though. That was the irony of it. I'm like, I. What did I actually do? You know? Right. That's the other thing too, right? Like if I have this goal, it should have been really hard to get here. Or like, it's not satisfying unless there was like a lot of sweating, swearing and all this stuff, right? I can't do a hundred pushups, but if I can do 50, I'll have to work toward a hundred, but that's not how this worked. Yeah. You just went straight to a hundred without trying. Yes. And I didn't understand how that happened, honestly. Yeah. I I can look back and make sense of it, but... Yeah. Cause it was as simple as like, you decided, look, I want to quit struggling with money. I want to actually have money. I want to change my money story. So in order to do that, I need to really understand what I need to charge and what I want to charge and how much money I want to create. And then I have to start telling people that that's my price. That's what you did. And the result was you had, you know, almost an $11,000 month. Yeah. And I felt guilty telling new people and old people that this is what's happening right now. And the new people had no issue with it. And the old people were like, they were struggling with, well, how can that be the case? How can you go from this to that? Right. Because I mean, you were giving it away for free. And if I was getting something for free and then all of a sudden I had to start paying for it, like I'd probably have thoughts too, right? Yeah. But when you like, for instance, love something you're getting and you can see the value of it, you, you figure out how to pay for it, or you, you know, you figure these things out. And when we allow space for our clients to figure it out, they usually do, or they leave. And then we manage our like graspiness and wanting to hold on to people that don't want our services anymore. We have to manage all of those feelings. Have you been encountering that? Yeah. I have to, again, resist the past temptation to 
cave into the old notion that I'm taking care of my clients by undercharging and and making it work for them mm-hmm. because really it doesn't work for them the way that it is. It, it's it's a bit of a collusion and a conspiracy against success all the way around. Yes, and the new rate. So if you don't come twice a month and you come once a month and you only come for an hour instead of three hours and you're paying me one seventy five and you're getting laser focused service which is really just about you, isn't that in service to what you really need to be coming for anyway? And do we need this extra time for a lesser fee? And the answer is no. Right. Yeah. And when you're paying, like when it is so, I guess, inexpensive and readily available and you can just like take it or leave it, come and go as you please. There's no rhyme or reason to your therapy, like, you know, in the client's mind. Yeah. I think over the lifetime of that client, they pay more money, even if it's a cheaper rate and have less results because they just set themselves up to fail because they don't know the difference. And like at that point, you were the therapist that like didn't didn't understand you could require that they come in a certain amount of time or really talk to them about and understand their goal. And now you do. And like the outcomes you're going to create are crazy good, crazy fast, but not fast because it has to be fast. It's just like the natural outcome of when people are coming for the amount of therapy that they need, you know, six months of results versus like six years to get the same result. Right. Which in many cases has been what I've seen. And I would think, well, if you came more often, this would be much better of a process. And it's not, I don't want to go into blaming the client. I don't, because when I look at it, I was being a bad therapist in the sense well, it's that, not even that you're a bad therapist. You just didn't know that you could say, you could risk the relationship and be like, Hey, look, <laughs> the way we have this schedule, this is going to take you till infinity and beyond to get what you want. Why wouldn't you want to come in closer together? Yeah. Right. You just didn't know. Now, you know, right. It's, it's a, again, it's a, it's a shift of paradigms to set a boundary with a client that's going to benefit them Mm -hmm. thinking that, well, we just keep it haphazard and sporadic. You come whenever you you can or want to that. We'll just make that work, even though that's not really ideal. Yeah. So you're willing to risk that relationship with the client because they could be like, no, I'm not coming or whatever. People don't usually act like that. And you're willing to risk feeling awkward or wrong or, you know, whatever the feeling is. It, it is awkward. Yeah, it's totally awkward, right? When we make a recommendation and then there's crickets or they did, or they don't yeah. agree. Yeah, or they're just, you can see them running in their head, like the numbers, like how much is this going to cost me? Can I afford that? And you're thinking, I have to go rescue them now. Yeah, because your job then is to just get quiet and let them figure it out because the act of them just walking into your office, they're already the hero in their own journey. Like they've already rescued themselves. They don't need us to rescue them ever. Yeah, that's a good point. Like they're so smart. Right. They're empowering themselves. And yeah. we don't, don't want to disempower them by colluding against their own best interests. Yeah, we got to stay out of their way. Yeah. And knowing what that best interest is from a therapeutic standpoint, mm-hmm. I think sets you apart in the work that you're doing as well. Yeah. And I think that willingness to, to it's like rebounding, like we we push and we get out of the way. We push and we get out of the way. It's like 
seeing that helping them to see that bigger picture and to be able to make a really good informed decision based on our recommendations because you are the expert in the room with your client no matter what like level of MFR you have like to that client you are the expert mm. and you know pushing and then get out of the way like i recommend six treatments in a row and then get out of the way and let them make the decision not attached to their outcome i like that metaphor thanks sometimes i'm good at it <laughs> Well, it works. I mean, it works. I use rebounding a lot. Yeah. And a lot of people really like it. They ask for it. Mm -hmm. And I always ask, why? What do you like about it? It's just really relaxing. It's soothing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it also like creates chaos before there's a soothing, right? Like our bodies like crave that kind of input so that we can reorganize and then I guess like solve problems or like reorganize right is the solving of the problem and then keep going so yeah rebounding is awesome i think it is yeah what would you say is your biggest takeaway both like for your business and maybe personal that you got from coaching Uh, the biggest one i think i wrote it in my review which is that i was so stuck in the way that I looked at myself and my business, which was really the same, which was kind of in a negative light mm-hmm. and a less than light. Mm-hmm. And that in the coaching, the reflection I was able to receive from you in the group was that's not true. That's not a true reflection. You're so narcissistically subsumed in your own negative self-image that you can't see the value of what you're doing and you can't see the value of what you have to offer to people in your practice that you're denying yourself and your clients, you know, you're offering a shadow of the work. Yeah. I think that's the biggest takeaway from it's not about the money per se. It's about value. And I think you can't undermine the value because I have friends that are struggling with different physical issues. And when they talk about the treatment they've had for it, I just, in some ways I cringe. I'm like, well, that's not, really going to address the issue. And not that I'm the all-time expert in the universe, but when I listen to him, I think, well, that is just like you're just getting pushed through this mill and you're still having the same issues. And I don't think that's helpful for you, for the system. And they don't even know there's other possibilities. Yeah. So keeping the work, keeping myself in the shadow doesn't really serve anybody. So the master has to die, you know, the darkness, you know, it's like, Darth Vader has, has to be confronted, you know? Yeah. It's like letting go of that old painful, painful story about yourself and then allowing room for a new one, which then allows all this space for your clients to come in and get healing. Like, it's just like this ripple effect of awesomeness. Yeah. If you don't look at yourself or work on your own limitations, it's going to affect the work that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have to be golden children in order to be effective, but we do have to be somewhat mindful and uh, exert some effort Yeah, in changing how we are. I love it. And I think too, like one of those things is like being willing to be brutally honest with yourself about like why you're charging the rate you're charging, why you're accepting what you're accepting in your business, like for policies and procedures and all that stuff. And just being honest that usually we think we're doing it to be safe or we think we're doing it because it's the right way to do it. But really we do it because we feel comfortable and we just don't even 
understand anymore all of the other options for what is possible for us. Same with like people that have gotten to debilitating pain conditions and they keep going and doing traditional therapy. It's not because they're not smart. It's just because they're, they don't even know what's possible. Like they, it doesn't even behoove them to think that there's something outside of that box. And we get stuck in the box too, as therapists, even doing this outside of the box therapy. So I think for me too, I'm on a soapbox now. One of the hardest things for me to witness now as the MFR coach is to see these therapists, like all these MFR therapists that are so talented. They know so much. They've spent so much money to do the therapy that they do. And they're closing their practice out of fear for like what's going on in the world or the uh, economy and like all these things to go work in traditional practices doing not what they love. (laughs) Or they're like not even telling people what they do. So they're slowly killing their practice and they're making it mean it's because of COVID or because of the economy. You touched on something earlier and you were like, yes, this last year wasn't good because of COVID. If you go back and you really think about it, if you had the skills that you have now at the beginning of 2021, do you think you would have that thought about the circumstance of COVID in your business? No. Yeah. I don't think so because it wouldn't be relevant because people were coming anyway. Yeah. And precautions were being taken anyway. Yes. So everything that could be done was being done is still being done. Yeah. And you've now like learned how to have a thriving practice in these times. Like this is how the world is now, right? Like this isn't going away and the other circumstances will come and go. Yeah. We don't have to be daddy Warbucks selling arms (laughs) in order to make a killing during bad times. You know, you can still be doing good work. Yeah but you've set yourself up now. And like, obviously we all need more coaching. Like we need support and all of these things to keep implementing what we want to do. But like you've circumstance proofed your business. Yes. I think because it wasn't circumstance prone. I just thought that it was. Right. We all do. We're raised that like everything outside of us creates our feelings and our thoughts. And like, it's COVID. It's just bad right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents grew up in a depression, mm-hmm. you know? People still made a living. Yeah. You know, it was hard. Right. But they survived. And some people thrived. Yeah. That time. Yes. Wouldn't it be fun if we all decide, like, this is hard, but we're going to thrive? If <laughs> we just see what we make happen. The worst thing that could happen is nothing. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> what would happen if we all just decided to expand instead of contract when we're afraid? Failure wouldn't have a hold on us. You know, it's not a stranglehold. Yeah. Not even a real thing, honestly. Yeah. And we might have a lot of fun (laughs) and help a lot of people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think being in a group was one of my reasons for wanting to join as well. I just felt like, well, if I'm not alone in it and it's not focused on my efforts alone or my successes and failures alone. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciated being in a group because I actually liked everybody in the group yeah. and we worked well together and we supported each other and it made a big difference. Yeah. And I had their voices in my head when I was struggling, trying to figure things out on my own. Mm-hmm. It was meaningful to me to be part of a group. Yeah. It was my first time doing a group. So it felt like a miracle to me, like how well everybody got along and how well everybody worked together and how supportive everybody was. Even though like there's some people that have been coaching with me for almost a year. There's some people that had never met me or coached with me before, didn't know anything about the thought model. 
everybody's willingness to just like try to figure it out as best as they could and like come for coaching and get what they needed, get what they came for out of it when they didn't even know exactly what they were coming for. Single practitioners alone together, spat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to our spat group. Yes. That's so funny. Yeah. So would you recommend to people that they come for coaching or what do you think? I think if they have self-doubt and their practice is struggling or it's on its last legs in their mind, mm -hmm. or they're not sure how to even begin to start doing it, then they should definitely look into doing it. And I think this is the best way to, to get out of that insular thinking about what the possibilities are. Yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. What about for people that aren't struggling at all? Do you think they could still benefit? Absolutely. There were people in our group that were with the inspiration to the rest of us that have been doing coaching with you before. We're like, hey, why are you here? You're doing great. Uh, I don't hear a problem. Your biggest problem now is you can't fit all your people in. Yeah, schedule. which is also like, a like it's just the next level problem from when yeah. we like go from like not with the practice we want and then we get it and then we like panic. <laughs> we have it. Ah, what do I do with my hands? You know, like all these things. So having that in the group was immeasurable because it not only shows you that, well, Obviously, others have done this mm -hmm. and you could do it too, uh, but they're offering their experience and insight into oh, I, where you are now. I went through that as well, but it's okay. Yeah. You don't have to be where I am. You're going to do your own thing and look how great it is. And we're here cheering you on. We're happy for you. And, and there's other challenges that you have to meet that can be addressed in the group as well. Yeah. Like, what the hell do I do when there's, I can't book out any further and I can't offer discounts anymore because it's filling my schedule up too much. And I'm thinking, what a great problem. Mm -hmm. I would love to have that problem. Mm -hmm. And it's a great thing to look forward to. to yeah. You're like, I'll know when I get here. I'm in, and I, and I'm not expecting for it to feel good. Even though right now I don't have this problem. I'm like, not jealous of it, but like thinking like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't have a problem. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a made up problem. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's one out of success, right? Yeah. The other cool thing is, is like, you tell me if you agree with this, is like people on and off were like in a river of misery and were like distraught and like having their own issues they're getting coached on, mostly around raising rates and then around like clients asking questions and stuff like that. But there's never time or space in that coaching environment where we all get together and just have a bitch session. Right. Like, I feel like that's the difference between this kind of coaching group and like just a group of our peers. It's not where we all get together and commiserate and like think about how bad the circumstances are and we can't change it. It's like, no, I'm having thoughts about what's going on and I want to have awareness around what I'm thinking so that I can stand in my power to change the result to the result that I want to have. Yeah. I think you summed up the main reason for coaching at any level is accountability. Mm -hmm. It's not about getting a temporary relief or high, from, you know, being in miserable company. Yeah, It's about rising above that miserableness with others that are supportive of change, not staying stuck. Yeah. There are two different ways of trying to attack something. And I don't see the, the commiserating model working. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, like, while it may provide some sort of relief or this hit of dopamine to have someone agree like, yeah, that is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it solves no problem. And if you're willing to feel whatever feeling you're avoiding, 
by bitching, right? And being justified in however you're thinking. If you can get to the bottom of that and hold the space for it for yourself, and like we're holding the space for the other people, we all learn from it. And then we all can apply it to us when we go through that or that comes up for us, whatever, versus like just agreeing and justifying and then walking away justified that you blew up at a client or that you charged when they didn't show up or, you know, whatever the things are. <laughs> Too easy. Too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Too easy. yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come back and talk to me about this and share your thoughts share your wins with us. Of course. I know it'll be helpful for other people. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off? Um, Be curious. If you don't know what uh, coaching can do for your practice, I think you should just have a consultation with Heather and find out what she has to say in that time because that's what turned it around for me uh, because you don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Thanks for your review on Google. It was also very beautiful. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Awesome. Truth is truth. All right, everybody. This has been my conversation with Zachary Scott. He, again, is the owner of Integrative Myofascial Release in Bloomington, Minnesota. And you can find him at integrativemfr.com. So if you would like to book an appointment with him, I highly suggest you do or send clients his way if you know people that live in that area. And I'll have a link to get a hold of Zach in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. This has been another episode of the MFR Coach. I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me this week on the MFR Coaches Podcast. Check out my book, The MFR Coaches Guide to Having Your Own Myofascial Release Business. Autographed copies are available at my website, www.themfrcoach.com. Kindle version and print also available on Amazon. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The MFR Coach for more info on today's topic. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.